good evening. Uh, like it's after the hour, seven o'clock. I'd like to uh, call the Thursday, February 9th uh, financial planning committee meeting to order. Uh, first order of business is the approval of minutes from our last meeting. I read them. And yep. For a motion. Motion to approve. Second. Any discussion on the minutes? All those in favor of adopting them? Uh, next item is the review of the draft uh, six-year improvement plan. John, you want to walk us through that? Yeah. So, uh, in your packet is the uh, is the full six-year uh, plan. So, this is um, just for folks at home that might be watching that, uh, that maybe don't uh, know this. So, the the town plans out all major capital investments for at least the next six years, at least uh, as part of this document. Uh, the first year of which is the capital budget. Those are the projects that will go to town meeting in April for actual uh, funding. But as we always do every year, we update the six-year capital plan uh, with all projects. So you met last week with the fire chief and the police chief. They talked to you about the projects that are going to April town meeting, and they talked to you about every project that they're thinking about doing for, that, for the next five years after this upcoming fiscal year, so for six years. So this document here uh, includes what you received last week from the fire department, the police department, and it also includes the DPW highway, the sewer enterprise, the water enterprise, and then a draft of the school department's um, capital projects, at least the ones that will qualify for inclusion in the town's uh, CIV. So. Um, uh, as we go through tonight on the agenda this evening, you have uh, the, the great uh, Martinell, the superintendent here to go through the K-8 school and the Algonquin project. And then you have um, uh, Scott Charpentier, the DPW director, and he's gonna go through his projects. But uh, this is the current draft right now of the six-year plan. And based on your review and the process that we go through over the next couple weeks, this is what will be uh, the I want to say the final plan, it'll be the final plan until it's updated again next year. But basically, things will move around a little bit based on need or funding that we can get. If we get a grant, a project will move up. Or if we get a grant, sometimes they fall off the, the schedule entirely. But as of right now, this is the six-year capital improvement plan uh, that we're working through for your review tonight and in the, in the next uh, couple of weeks. So. Um, I'm not going to go through this because we're going to go through this by each department. You've already gone through half of it, and basically the second half is going to be done this evening. So, but this is where you can see it all in one place together. Oh, I did want to mention also, if you'll notice, there are a bunch of uh, several projects that are highlighted in yellow. These are the projects uh, uh, as of right now that are potentially um, uh, are being recommended for. Uh, funding using the American Rescue Plan Act monies that the town received, the $4.5 So these are projects that uh, the fire engineer, the uh, fire chief speak about last week. We have uh, a downtown revitalization project that's ongoing, but we don't really know what, what that is yet, but we're assuming it's about $250,000 in design costs uh, for potential projects. So that's why that's a to be determined. And then you have the highway garage tight tank for 475000 And then last but not least, you'll hear from the superintendent tonight about the $1.7 million for the 
flat sections of the Proctor School roof. So, uh, and then in a couple out years, there are you know drainage, uh, culvert drainage replacements and sidewalk projects. Those are projects that are listed as priority in the master plan. Uh, they're not being recommended necessarily for funding immediately with ARPA, but I think that would be a discussion that would make sense at some point down the road. So that's the significance of the highlights. Okay. Any questions, guys? Again, we're going to go through each of these by department. That's just this is the whole plan in one place. You get it by piece with the detail sheets as you got tonight for the schools and for the DEW. Yeah. All right. Very good. Uh, next item of business is uh, recommendations for the American Rescue Plan packet. So in your packet are two memos. One is a, a, an older memo from June 15th of 2022. Uh, this was prepared uh, prior to a June 16th, 2022 public input listening section at the session that the Board of Selectmen conducted around you know, possible uses of ARPA funding. They wanted to do some, some public outreach. Um, in addition, uh, town departments and boards and committees weighed in with uh, some of their recommendations as well. Uh, the memo on the top, which is dated February 7th, is the one that is uh, going to the Board of Selectmen or has gone to the Board of Selectmen and will be discussed at their meeting on Monday. And it provides an update on where we are with ARPA funding. And on the front page of that memo, you can see in total uh, we've received $4,516,184. On the second page of the memo, you can see the projects that we've already committed to. There's uh, Proctor School roof uh, drainage repairs for 38000 This was uh, authorization by the board to help buy us some time on the Proctor School roof uh, to deal with some of the immediate leaks and, and ponding of water issues. And then we had a couple projects that were out to bid that were kind of caught up in the supply chain escalation. It was the Acibit uh, Park. Um, so there's an alternate for some fencing that we wanted to do. And then the pickleball carts, we had a couple of alternates for additional benches and gates. Uh, but because the very rapid price escalation, those projects were short. So the board released 20000 for Acibit and 18000 for the pickleball courts so that those projects could be completed as originally conceived of, despite the supply chain uh, and escalation issues that were encountered. Uh, the board also released... Um, back in March of 2022, $100,000 for a townwide wellness initiative. And this was a program that was uh, a cross-functional team with family services, the library, the senior center, health, police, and fire. And they ran all sorts of wellness programs throughout the town. And the whole idea was following the pandemic to run some community events to try to get people back out and connecting. The best one was the kickoff, in my opinion, the best one. It was the end of school party where they threw a massive uh, carnival fair down at Ellsworth McAfee for all the kids. And we had all the resources, the mental health resources and assistance, all had booths and we're handing out information to people. The kids got to jump around and do something fun at, you know, outside with, with everybody. So that program is authorized. Um, and then there was a housing authority project that we were going to move forward with, but the state grant didn't come through, so that project was negated. And then last uh, but not least, on um, November 7th, the last time the Board of Selectmen discussed ARPA, they released 15000 to keep the community meals program going. They were running out of money and um, in that program. We're, we're get, we get a lot of folks, this, it's not just for Northboro, it's for anybody who needs a free meal. 
And so a couple neighboring communities, or in Worcester in particular, cut out a day of one of their meal programs, and so some of those folks were coming here. So, um, but the board released $15,000 for that. So that's all that's been committed out of the 4.5, and when you take all that into account, we have remaining in ARPA funds, $4,325,184. And this is literally money in the bank. We have it. We've received it. So just to give you a little bit of update on what's happening at the state level, it's been, it's been a little crazy uh, for them to, to figure out what they're doing because they were moving forward at the end of the legislative session with a $4 billion package. Lo and behold, they found out there was a little-known uh, Mass General Law 62F that actually required them to return about $3 billion to the taxpayers. That law uh, goes back to 1986, and it only came into play once before, and I believe it was in 1987. So when that happened, the legislature was uh, stopped in their tracks for their spending plan, and things sort of hung, kind of hung there. Most recently, uh, on November 10th, uh, now former Governor Charlie Baker uh, signed a $3.7 billion package that was using budget surplus and, and, some, and some limited uh, funds. Bottom line is, as far as the money that the state received for ARPA, they've committed a, a $510 million. So they still have $1.75 billion, and uh, at this stage, we're not quite sure how they're going to use that. We're lobbying, and I say we, municipalities, through the Mass Municipal Association, we're lobbying for them to filter that money through existing programs that we already know and participate in, like Chapter 90 transportation funds, uh, complete streets grants, um, the, uh, the municipal vulnerabilities uh, climate change grants. So we already participate in all those. Um, whether or not they decide to create new programs or filter it through existing programs remains to be seen. Uh, but that's the status on that. There's no more money coming, you know, from the federal government. This is it, you know. Uh, and as far as the state, it's going to be a matter of how they, they're going to use some of their, their ARPA money for their programs. I'm sure they, you know, they're going to shore up uh, the first initial appropriation was shoring up a lot of social net programs housing, food insecurity, things of that nature. Um, so it remains to be seen how the rest of that money flows through. Um, but because of that snafu, uh, everything, they were ready to move on this uh, pretty significantly back, um, you know, back uh, a little around this time last year. And so everything sort of got delayed and you had to change in administration. So all that's still coming. So that's kind of where things stand there. On page three of the memo, you can see uh, what we discussed at your meeting last week, which is the draft capital budget. This is the first year of the six-year capital improvement plan, and it includes the projects that are going to this upcoming town meeting for funding. Now, we discussed this at length last week, uh, but again, for purposes of tonight's discussion, I'll just draw your attention to the funding sources. We have $4,530,000 worth of projects. Of those, we're going to fund about a million dollars, a little over a million dollars, uh, with pay-as-you-go free cash, which means there's no additional uh, tax impact. Um, then there's going to be uh, some uh, funds that are used out of the enterprise funds, the water and sewer. Again, those will be used out of fund balance. There will be no additional impact on the rates or the taxes. And then the last column here is the suggested or recommended use of ARPA for this capital budget. And uh, this goes back to March of 2022. You know, the staff made these recommendations. We discussed them again in June. Um, no decision's been made by the board yet, so they may or may not be inclined to use ARPA funding for these projects. 
the projects that we're recommending is 900,000 for the fire engine replacement, 475,000 for the highway tight tank compliance with DEP regulations, and 1.7 million to replace the Proctor School roof. Um, you'll hear more tonight when the superintendent speaks to his request on the roof. Um, MSBA, the Massachusetts School Building Authority, um, in October declined to provide a grant for this project. Worse than that, uh, right after they declined our project, they suspended the whole grant program altogether because the projects that the authority had already approved were escalating. So projects that they had already approved that were either under construction or out to bid where <coughs> their budgets were being blown because of supply chain issues and escalation costs. So MSBA pulled back on approving any new grants for the next cycle and they're using that money to kind of shore up the projects they've already approved. The long and short of it is we are not going to have a chance to obtain a grant for the Proctor School roof. It's not going to happen. The need is there. It's got to be replaced and we aren't going to get a grant. We actually have uh, right behind that the Z School roof. We're hopeful that the Z School roof will come around as this program gets up and running again. And oddly enough, the Z School roof is actually older than the Proctor. But the Proctor is in much worse shape. So we've all, you know, you ever had two cars the same age? And one of them, the younger car is, is the one that has all the problems. You know, sometimes you get a lemon. It could be the product. It could be the contractor and the installation. But the bottom line is the Proctor School roof is completely failed. The Z School can hold on for a couple more years. And we can hold out to get, you know, to get that grant cycle again. At that point in time, the Z School will hopefully be, the Z School roof will hopefully be uh, higher up on the list because it will be much older and frankly, that's, that, they have to have some criteria. And so they just go, well, this roof is older than that roof. So, you know, we have to have some kind of a cutoff. So, uh, so in total, those three projects are $3,075,000. Uh, and in the memo, you can see there's a detail on each of those three projects, which I know you're already familiar with because we've talked about them at, at great length. Uh, the last thing I would draw your attention to is on the bottom of page five, which is, um, again, we've been since 2012 trying to do as much pay-as-we-go capital as we can. We haven't bonded a, a truck or a small uh, capital project. By small, I mean two or three, you know, $300,000 projects. We haven't issued debt for any of those. We found a way to do pay-as-you-go, and that's really benefited the town because our level of debt has dropped off, and it's created capacity for the next big project, which is the fire station project. So, but if these projects, these three, are not funded with ARPA on a pay-as-you-go basis, it would require bonds, a little over $3 million in bonds, and the cost would be about $61 uh, per average single-family home each year for the next 10 years. Just to give a sense of, well, if we, if we, if we finance it, you know, what's the tax impact? It's about $61 on the tax bill for a 10-year bond. So, uh, Secondary to those three, and I don't want to spend a lot of time tonight, but starting on page six, there are a couple other projects that are related to the master plan or significant needs, and the DBW director will speak to these in a little bit more detail. But you know we've done the assessment of all of our sidewalks just like we did for our roadways you know, several years ago. 
you know, we have about $2.1 million in existing sidewalk repairs that need to be made. And we don't have a funding source for that yet. We're trying to get that just like we did with the roadway program. First thing to do is assess the, the, the scope of the problem and then come up with a funding plan to start chipping away and making progress. So you can see uh, by the chart on page six, just like the pavement management plan, in order for us to, to not to have our sidewalks deteriorate further and sort of stem the bleeding and start to make a little bit of progress, we need to be uh, investing about $200,000 a year in our sidewalks, plain and simple. That's mostly for the backlog. Now, in addition to that, I mentioned that Northborough just became a complete streets program. This is a grant program run by the state. And as part of that, we have this, this is more towards building new sidewalk connectivity, um, multimodal transportation, bike lanes, things of that nature. So as part of that, um, just in December, the Board of Selectmen approved our complete streets priority list. We got a grant, or Scott, DPW director, got a grant, about 35,000 to do this priority list. And it identified three and a half to four and a half million dollars worth of potential projects. So we got 2.1 million in backlog, and then another three and a half to four million in really would like to do projects. There's a little bit of overlap in some of those two, but point being, sidewalks and walkability was the number two priority that came out of the master plan. And we don't have a funding mechanism to achieve that right now. So uh, we have to find money. There's opportunities for grants, but grants aren't going to pay for everything. But we need to find a way to work this into the ongoing six-year capital plan. But right now, there's still an immediate need. So if there's any available funds, if we had a significant amount of free cash, I'd be recommending that we put some of it towards the backlog of sidewalk projects. Likewise, we've got a backlog of drainage projects that were pushed off in part because of the pandemic. And then last but not least, we have a really great, uh, there's a, a $150,000 project that's ongoing right now that came out of the master plan, and that is a downtown revitalization and vision project that's ongoing right now. Out of that will come projects. We don't know what those projects are yet because that visioning process is still ongoing, but the estimate is, you know, it's somewhere between nine and twelve million dollars worth of potential improvement projects in the downtown. Again, we have access to some grants, but according to the uh, town planner, who's familiar with uh, these grants in this in the downtown revitalization, she believes that the phase one of the downtown uh, master plan revitalization would require about two hundred fifty thousand dollars in design funding in order to apply for grants. So I just put that placeholder in your mind that ARPA funds, great use for that. We probably aren't gonna be able to hold on to ARPA funds for all of downtown projects because ARPA funds are limited. They need to be committed by, the, by 2024 and expended within two years of that. And so these types of projects, permitting, land takings, easements, construction, grant writing, the phase one will take probably three years or more. So, you know, those outer project years, those outer phases, um, is another reason why if we can clear the deck with current capital projects and minimize debt, we'll create capacity for um, sidewalk projects as well as downtown projects and 
larger building projects like the fire station. So the board will be discussing this at their meeting on Monday, um, determining whether or not to release any ARPA funds for those projects. Uh, depending on their decision, uh, if they release the ARPA funds, then those projects can move forward immediately. If they choose not to, then I have placeholders on the town meeting warrant for April for those three projects totaling $3 million to be funded with debt because those projects have to move forward. The roof can't wait, the fire engine needs to be replaced, and the tight tank is a compliance issue, so it needs to move forward. So that's uh, the ARPA discussion in a nutshell. Uh, happy to answer any questions that you have. Oh, I do have just a, can we, do we, can we recommend or have a course of action or suggest something for the selectmen? Um, <clears throat> well, we could take a vote and I can write a letter with our recommendation that we, uh, we uh, approve those three uh, projects. And, you know, towns have needs, towns have wants. We need a roof. We need a fire engine. We need a tight tank. Period. Yeah. Um, the town, I'm 50, I've been here for 46 years, has wanted to fix downtown for 46 years. It is a great, uh, it's a great want. Um, I think, though, it, with transparency, these projects have been in the queue. They've been discussed. They're not new. We didn't find money in the middle of the street to, to do this. I think for transparency, I think the town should have the ability to fully vet and vote on a downtown project. And more importantly, these projects have to be done. We've waited, and I think the fire truck cost us an extra hundred grand because we waited. Um, the nature of the ARPA funds, which we don't have to comply with, I understand, because we're a smaller town, they were designed to reimburse towns for things we went without. I think that these are the three. Pro these three projects are critical projects that fit transparency, what the town needs to have happen, and what the funds were intended for. I think these are very clear. Uh, reasons we should uh, strongly recommend the board, uh, the select board, approve those three projects at their meeting on Monday. All right. So um, I think we need a vote on. Uh, so the selectmen uh, recommending that we uh, do use this ARPA money for these three projects. So I'll take. And then make a motion to uh, have the chairman do that. I'll second. Yeah. Any further discussion? All those in favor? I think it's I'll write a letter. Okay, John. Okay. Thanks, guys. Any other discussion? Hearing none, let's move on to uh, school department capital requests. So, good evening. Thank you for the opportunity. Great. Can you sit over here so the mic will pick you up a little better? So this evening, I'm um, also in attendance is Lauren Bailey Jones on the Rockville School Committee. So welcome, Lauren. Thank you. And um, so I know Town Administrator Kader mentioned some of the projects that are a priority for the school district. I will share that um, the Proctor roof is a significant priority for the school committee and the school community. Um, in 2018, there was a significant mold uh, problem at Proctor School, which required um, a little under $300,000 of investment as a result of mold mitigation. Um, in 2020, we also had a similar situation as a result of 
um, poor drainage of the roof, um, water infiltrating the classrooms. And as a result, we had to spend about $100,000 in mold mitigation. The Proctor um, roof, the flat roof, is in disrepair, um, is leaking, um, and is beyond its serviceable life. Um, and the community can no longer wait uh, for that roof to be replaced. Um, it is imperative to protect the overall asset of Proctor School. Um, the school committee did um, invest in a conditions assessment of the Proctor roof. Um, and basically, the Garland Company did find that the roof had a failed coating, failed seams, failed perimeter and flashing, wet insulation, extreme ponding of water, debris and vegetation. Um, and repair was not an option. It needed to be replaced, and they recommended the roof be replaced as soon as uh, feasibly possible. Um, on June 16th, um, the school committee uh, did direct me to present at the forum that the select board um, held around the use of ARP funds. At that time, we requested that um, half of the cost of the Proctor roof be funded through ARPA. Um, at that time, we were pursuing um, MSBA funds through the Accelerated Repair Project Program. And as um, Administrator Kadera mentioned, that program um, for this year has been paused. And therefore, uh, that is not an option to help uh, defray some of the costs of that program. I did, on behalf of the school committee, resubmit a letter to the select board yesterday, actually today, um, requesting um, its consideration for the use of ARPA funds to complete the entire roof project, which is $1.7 million. I guess it's really a town decision of how it funds this project. Uh, from my perspective as a superintendent, the project needs to be done. It's a priority. We need to protect the asset. Um, so that's the first project that um, is essential moving forward. So if I may, just a couple of other points. One, the assessment that the superintendent referred to is in your packet, so you can see it. Um, two, as with, with when this came up and we were pursuing MSBA grant funds, we had our uh, facilities manager and again Scott Charmentier, DBW director, get involved. We brought many roofers out there. We looked at: is there any way we can patch this roof together, buy us some time to get through the MSBA grant cycle? Well, we got rejected on this grant cycle, and there will be no grant cycle next year. More importantly, the figures were hundreds of thousands of dollars. It wasn't like, you know, you're going to spend twenty dollars or $30,000 and somehow buy yourself some time. The roof system across the board, you can see from, look at the picture on the detail sheet, that's not, it's not repairable. Um, so this, uh, it, when we actually started, uh, Greg and I were talking because we talked about the roof replacements because we want to space them out through the six-year capital improvement plan. Z-School was actually older, as I mentioned, and that was ahead of Proctor until these issues started to come up. They had this assessment done. They said, despite the fact that the Z-School roof is a couple of years uh, older, the Proctor roof is in far worse condition and had to be moved up in priority. But at this point in time, there is no patching to buy us any more time. Uh, the faster this project gets going, the better. Uh, and if, if available funds are released, the project can start immediately. Uh, if we have to bond, uh, it will delay the project past you know, the July after the start of the fiscal year. 
and uh, and then we have to advance the funds. But um, but it's a very it's imperative this gets going. Again, we don't we want to get this moving before we get through. We have another hot, humid summer. We don't want to have a, another situation where we've got to contain deal with any any issues in the building. So there's no options to repair. This thing is a replacement at this stage. You kind of stole one of my questions was going to be if these funds are released on Monday, you can go with an RFP as soon as you're ready to go. And I would assume that the state has probably a backlog of projects too. So the sooner you get the funds, the sooner you can commit to the project, the sooner you get a contractor in there. Correct. Okay. This is the type of project where depending on when you started it and the school year starts, can, can it be done while school's in session? Yeah, I think I think how how the RFPs are drawn up and the contracts are executed, um, it can be done um, when school is in session. But the preference is to do it over the summer. To, to, we, yeah. we try to schedule with enough advance notice yeah. and appropriation. We try to schedule these things to minimize the disruption for the, for the schools. I'll also just note that the um, select board did authorize thirty-eight thousand dollars of ARPA funds to actually um, help us. Uh, with perimeter drainage, so that was fun funding that was very beneficial to us. We were able to ensure that the drainage system um, and the perimeter of uh, Proctor School was draining properly um, in preparation for any new roof. So that again, when the roof is pitched and you know developed properly, it will actually drain and not uh, continue to be an issue. These types of flat roofing systems are strange. It's a you know they a roof doesn't sneak up on you, but sometimes towards the end of its life, it just lets it just lets go much faster than than anticipated, and that just was the case here. So um, you know sometimes they just at the end that rubber you know just the, the life of it is supposed to last a certain amount of time, but it just starts to let, let loose. So this project will go to town meeting. Uh, yeah, if, if not funded by ARPA, it will have to be financed with debt, but it will, it will need to come forward to, to be completed. So the second request of um, the Northboro School Committee is to repair the uh, cement entranceway um, to the Z Elementary School Gymnasium. Um, over uh, many years, um, due to temperature changes, New England climates, it is cracked. Um, and at this point in time, it needs to be um, replaced. So this, I believe, will be a joint partnership with the DPW. Um, and we hope to um, engineer, design, and replace that cement slab. And anticipated cost is $40,000. And at this point in time, it is um, a hazard, tripping hazard. Um, it's not ADA accessible as a result of its condition and does need to be um, repaired and replaced. If I, if I may, uh, before you move on to the uh, athletic complex, uh, two, two points. One is uh, we still need to kind of work on some of the out-year projects. So unlike the other departments, you got a detail sheet, an updated detail sheet of all the out-year projects. We're still working with the superintendent to update those. When we get those completed, uh, we'll forward them to the committee. But none of them are under consideration for funding um, but we do have and it's it's important to note uh, I mentioned that the Z school roof for two million dollars um, is in there for 2025 
Um, and then we have, of course, the uh, Peasley Elementary School you know, feasibility and ultimately a, a project that that project is meant to follow the Lincoln Street um, uh, renovation addition that was done. So again, those projects, we are not going to go with our own, go on our own for a major $25 million project when you can get you know, 10 or $12 million in MSBA grant funding. So those larger projects are contingent on being um, invited to collaborate. I love the language they use, MSBA. You're invited to collaborate. It doesn't mean your project will get funded, but we'd like to talk to you about it. Um, but, uh, but that's a, long, a longer project uh, and a significant project, but uh, it is dependent upon MSBA grant cycle. And right now, they're in a little bit of um, a little bit of a panic, frankly, that a lot of the projects they have right now are over budget, and the ones that were out to bid came in higher than the grants that were awarded. So until the economy uh, settles down a little bit, it's going to be a tough program to queue up into. But, but the Peasley School is the next uh, large renovation addition project that we'd be looking at. Greg, I do have one question. Sure. And I don't want to get into a lot of yeah. detail about next year, the following year. The, park, the Z School parking lot, there's no redundancy there with the walkway. We're not going to be doing something that have to Correct. move curbing or anything like Correct. that. Okay. Yeah. I'll just comment to add to um, John's comments around MSBA. So we are submitting a statement of interest to the core building program for Pisa Elementary School. It is, MSBA is a slow-moving uh, process. They're very thorough, and we're hoping to get in, invited into the eligibility phase. Um, MSBA chooses communities that have a success, successful track record of partnering, um, and they communicate to towns and communities that from eligibility to actually finishing a project, it's five to seven years. So we need to get in the queue and start the process now so that in 2030-2032, um, we have a new building for the Peasley Elementary School. Before we move into, uh, are you going to talk about the uh, conference? Uh, yes. Before we do that, I just want to advise, we have two members that um, are on the boosters, or members of the boosters. Are you still on the boosters? I'm, I'm no longer the boosters for the last two years. Okay. Mike, you're not either? Oh, okay. I, I am on the, uh, on the committee, though. Right. And if that's the case, then the advice from council would be to avoid the appearance of a, a conflict of interest that you recuse yourself for this portion of the discussion, yeah. which would mean physically removing yourself from the seat and sitting in the audience and not commenting for this portion of it. Again, it's clear, Tom, that you, you have no financial gain. You don't even have a kid at the school. <laughs> However, um, you're sitting on this board. Uh, you shouldn't take part of this discussion. The advice from council would be to recuse yourself. Yeah. Anybody involved in the booster should do that. So the last conversation and information I'd like to share is around the uh, Algonquin Athletic Complex a proposed project. Um, so I'll give you a little bit of a historical overview uh, of um, a timeline of what's been done. Um, what we hope to accomplish, and then the estimated cost, and then um, a little bit of an overview of how the regional school committee um, is going to move forward. So um, in 2013, 2014, the athletic uh, 
uh, campus evaluation was conducted in partnership with Algonquin Athletic Booster Club. Um, we had some uh, feasibility and schematic design that was very helpful. Um, however, at that time, that did not come to fruition. 2014 to 2019, we had ongoing maintenance of the facility. Um, and then 2019 and 2020, we re-engaged with Gale Associates. Um, and again, supported and funded by the Algonquin Athletic Booster Club. Um, we conducted a project evaluation. We did a facility assessment, a schematic design. Um, and then this year, we've uh, engaged Gale Associates in engineering and design, permitting final design documents, and we are moving toward uh, bid and award services at this point. In terms of um, the current conditions of the athletic facilities at Algonquin uh, High School, so um, the track uh, and the lighting is original um, to 1994 and 1997. Um, it is beyond its useful life. John used analogy of a car. Um, if the track and the lighting uh, were cars, we'd have about 600,000 miles on those cars. So um, they have been well used um, and have served the community well, but it is time to, for them to be replaced. So the stadium field um, was top seated when the Algonquin renovation took place in 2004. Um, the soil is heavily imp uh, impacted and there are dead spots um, and it, it does need to be uh, replaced. The track again was uh, reconstructed in 1994 Top, uh, top surface was recoded in 1990, uh, 2009, um, and as you can see some of the pictures, it's heavy patching and puddling, um, and it is now posing a safety issue for our, our, our student athletes and our students who use it for uh, physical education. The tennis courts were installed in 2004, and again, um, significant cracking due to New England weather, um, and they cannot be patched um, or resurfaced, um, and we have done some resurfacing uh, since 2004, but again, those need to be um, repaired due to New England weather and um, the need to update the entire base. The multipurpose field, um, we hope to um, convert the multipurpose field to a turf field, um, and it'll allow additional usage for our student athletes, our um, youth sports, um, and we'll get the three times the use of our current fields as a result of having turf fields. Um, in terms of health and safety, so our stadium is, uh, grandstand is not ADA accessible or compliant. Um, the current amenities building, which was added in 2004, is not ADA compliant, um, and the lighting currently poses a safety issue. It's insufficient. It does not meet uh, the current standards. So part of this project would be bringing the grandstand uh, to ADA compliance, the press box to ADA compliance, as well as the amenities building um, and upgrading the amenities building to be um, compliant with the required restrooms. So we'd be adding seven um, women's restrooms and one additional uh, male restroom. So the plan is to replace the track um, replace the stadium field with turf, um, replace the multi-purpose field with turf, so we'll have two um, turf fields, um, upgrade the grandstand uh, with an ADA compliant seating, upgrade the stadium lights with LED lights, 
and um, upgrade the tennis courts, add three pickleball courts and a basketball court. Uh, we'd also renovate the amenities building, adding ADA compliant uh, restrooms, and we'd be installing an amphitheater um, for our fine and performing arts department and a lacrosse wall for the LAX program. So why? Um, again, I think that uh, it is time for an investment of um, the athletic facilities at Algonquin Regional High School. I think we view it as a community investment, not only to our student athletes, students, but the community does use it uh, considerably, the track, the fields, the tennis courts. Um, and we think that it can be part of a bigger picture of really fostering a sense of community, both in North Row and South Row. Um, our Algonquin Regional High School physical education program would benefit greatly from this upgrade. Um, residents can use it for uh, running, walking, tennis, pickleball, basketball. Um, our performing art artists, musicians, and community groups can benefit from the amphitheater. And then again, providing additional field access to our recreation programs in Northboro and Youth, Northboro and Southboro Youth Sport uh, organizations. So. Where we are today, the total estimated cost of this project is significant. Um, it's a little over $7.5 million. Um, we are still working closely with Gale Associates to get to the 100% cost estimates. Um, but as it is today, the apportionment to Northboro based on the regional agreement, um, the cost to Northboro would be a little under $4.7 million at this point in time. It is the intention of the regional school committee to vote um, this, prop this project and to bond this project. Um, as a result of uh, a vote, if it does vote in the affirmative, basically the way it works is that um, a letter would be submitted to both communities, Northboro and Southboro, um, stating that the regional entity um, plans on issuing a debt assessment for this project. Um, once a once the vote is taken, there, the, each community has 60 days to act. Um, the community has two choices. One, to take no action, which actually approves the project. Or secondly, to bring it uh, before the legislative body, town meetings, um, for a vote um, from the citizens of the community. Um, that is our intention. The school committee will take this up at its March meeting um, so that we're, we are within the 60-day window of town meeting. And there's a placeholder on the warrant for April for this project. In terms of um, debt assessment, uh, we do, the, the Regional School Committee does anticipate issuing um, bond anticipation notes for this project for three years. Um, the timing, ideal timing would be when the debt assessment for the uh, ADREN for Algonquin Regional High School that was in 2004 would fall off in 2027 and we bring on a new, uh, a new project, this project. The timing isn't perfect, but with bond anticipation notes, um, there will be only one year uh, of overlap with this project, and that is in 2027. Once that one year of overlap is uh, complete, then it would just be the assessment for this project um, moving forward. Yeah, just so folks are clear, bond anticipation notes mean you're just you're really just paying the interest costs. You're not making principal payments until I think you're past three years where you're required to start making principal payments. So it's a way to 
start on a project without the full impact. So that just so people remember, the high school project was about a $60 million project. MSBA covered uh, roughly half. We split the balance based on the regional agreement with Southboro. Northboro's share was about $14 million roughly. So, uh, um, and on an annual basis, it's about $663,000 of debt service that we pay towards that project, and that should be paid off in 2027 or 2028. So that will drop off, and then, you know, we've got plenty of other projects that will come on. So. And I'll just uh, make one last comment, and that is um, regional school districts are unique. Um, they are their own entity, although they're responsible to each of the communities. The, um, the authorizing body is the regional school committee um, to actually approve this project um, and to move forward with a bond, and that requires a two-thirds vote of the school committee. Um, again, then it gets sent to each town. At the town meeting, if it does go before the legislative body, it's not a two-thirds of vote. Uh, for approval, it's majority for approval for the debt assessment. So it's a little bit different than uh, than us issuing the debt yes. directly. Yeah. Right. There is a, a tax impact uh, schedule here for uh, Northborough, and it uh, looks like it peaks at about $176. And then, I don't know, do you know what the average is over the... Is it a 10-year bond? It's a 15-year bond. 15 so bond. the, the um, after 2027, which it peaks at 176 uh, for the average. Um, actually, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong. Yeah, that's the right one, 176. Northborough. Um, Northborough um, 176. So after 2027, the average um, house impact is $67 um, annually project which is interesting because the impact of the three projects that we talked about earlier is about $61 over 10 years so and you'd be happy to answer any questions you've had a full presentation on this probably for the last three years um, I know last year they came, uh, the superintendent came in, Gail came in with the boards and ran through the whole project. Um, the only, probably the only new information for you uh, since last time is a little bit more detail regarding the, the debt issuance, the debt schedule, and the tax impacts. So. And uh, just in terms of the timing of the project, so our, if, um, if it does get approved in both communities, um, our anticipation is to begin a project May 15th. Um, and have the project concluded by um, hopefully the fall athletic season. And Mike Masserino has plans to um, find a space for the, the spring sports to have their, their seasons at a different location. Thank you. Thanks. That's great. Time. Next item of business is uh, DPW. Scott. Thank you, Mr. Chairman.
prior meeting, you heard from the DPW director uh, an update on all the projects previously approved and everything that he's working on. Tonight, he's going to be covering uh, the request for upcoming fiscal 2024 capital budget and briefly, to the extent the committee would like to, get into all the projects that are planned out for the next uh, six years. A lot of them are, as you'll see, their equipment. So, you know, the large trucks are replaced on a schedule, the small trucks are replaced on a schedule, so you'll see them repeating in the schedule in the six-year capital plan every couple of years, so. Thank you, John. Take it away. Uh, all right, so we'll go through the um, detail sheets in the order you have them, which is represented by fiscal year. There's some detail sheets that cover uh, numerous fiscal years, primarily the equipment, roadway, or repeat projects. Um, and I'll answer any questions as we get through the sheets. The first uh, project we have, you've seen many times before, the roadway, uh, roadway maintenance, um, pavement management program. The FY24 request is uh, $300,000, as you've seen in past years. Um, you'll see the uh, forward years, 25 through 29, that, <coughs> price is, that number is gradually uh, increasing. The, the value of the dollar and how far it goes is nowhere near what it was in 2014 when this program started. Um, we're having a tough time keeping up with the costs, uh, but we do the best we can. The one thing to remember, <coughs> excuse me, now that we're a complete streets community, um, there is a complete streets policy that was adopted by the Board of Selectmen that um, I'm charged with uh, complying with. Uh, one of the policy criteria is that when we do a roadway reconstruction, uh, we have to replace the, bring the sidewalks up to code. Um, generally, if the, if the road is so far bad that we need to reconstruct it, the sidewalks are as well. Um, so that drives up the cost of many of our projects. This calendar year, well, this past calendar year in 22, we, um, part of our paving program included re, uh, re, reconstruction of Stratton Way um, in Edmonds Hill and Warren Drive. Um, each one of those roadways had sidewalks. We had to reconstruct those sidewalks. So that adds cost to the construction uh, project. And those dollars that go to the sidewalks are taken away from roadways. So instead of having a hard 1.1 million, to go into the roads um, starting in calendar 22, that number is less based on what roadways we're paving. Um, you get a road with sidewalks on both sides. Um, the sidewalks can be just about as much as the roadway was to build. So that's um, another uh, challenge and balancing act I have uh, with our budgets. Is, is there an advantage to being a complete streets town? There is um, grant money available uh, to uh, build new sidewalks and rebuild sidewalks that are non-compliant. The grant funds are $500,000 over a five-year period. It could be one half a million dollar project. It could be, you know, $10,000, $50,000 projects. Um, they don't pay for design services. They only pay for construction. And their focus generally is gap closure. So for hundred grand a year, how much more are we spending to get these potential grants? quite a bit more. We, our pavement management program uh, work that we're putting out on the street um, later this month for the calendar 23 construction includes about $80,000 worth of sidewalks. Last year it was a little over $100,000 worth of sidewalks. If I may through the chair, the important thing to remember with this, Mike, is that um, out of the master plan, the two priorities were downtown revitalization, sidewalks, and walkability. So the community has told us that this is a priority um, which means we participate in the Complete Streets program, which in your packet last week, 
you had the full presentation with all that information, so you have it all with you. But um, at least if we're going to, if that's a priority, the best way for us to do it, to at least get some grant funding, is to participate in the complete streets. But we are, we are being responsive to what the community has asked for. I think the difficult thing is making sure that there is a disconnect between what people want and what we have currently in the funding scheme to pay for. That's why um, in, in the capital budget, as you've seen, and in the ARPA menu, memo that I gave you, is you know, we should be trying to find funding to take care of the backlog of repairs um, and try to, to try to address what the community has said they need. The bottom line is we need to have a dead, we need a dedicated funding source. It can be either by raising taxes uh, or it's difficult to dedicate more money out of the annual free cash because the annual free cash pool is, is not very big and the needs are growing, so it's not going to go so far. At some point, we're going to have to, we're going to, have to figure out, are we going to issue a, a bond for that or are we going to just permanently put a, a surcharge on the taxes and create a capital stabilization fund where money goes into it that allows you to draw down you know, projects to smooth out the impacts. But that is the point that we're trying to make here is we get, this is what people are wanting. We're participating in the grant programs and we'll get us some assistance, but there's still gonna be a gap here that needs to be filled. And the only way it's gonna get filled is with local tax dollars, frankly. Um, unfortunately, I'll just, one more thing before we move off this one. You know that our number one legislative priority, we've, we've talked it to a blue in the face, is that the state needs to dedicate more money to chapter 90 transportation. Their, their bond bill, we get about $500,000 a year to spend on our roadways from that chapter, mind, chapter 90 authorization. Statewide, there's $200 million. We've been asking for $300 million. If the state would go from two to $300 million, we'd go from $500,000 locally to about eight, eight, $800,000. That would, that would solve our sidewalk gap. That, with that money, we could get on a, on a, a, a regular routine of, of uh, providing for those those sidewalks so it's critical that the state does that the Healy administration just came in and authorized two 200 year 200 million authorization so we're getting nowhere so far with the new administration which is unfortunate it, it's uh, good to note that um, chapter 90 funds are available for sidewalks and drainage um, just like we do with our vehicles I, I'm trying to be uh, fiscally responsible in how the capital plan is structured you know, um, we'll do a big truck in one year, a little truck the next year, and cycle back and forth. On the little truck years, we try to put in a piece of equipment. Um, on the big truck years, you put in something small. I wanted to do the same thing with sidewalks and drainage, and you'll see that when we get to some of the uh, later sheets. One year sidewalks, one year drainage. You know, similar numbers, 250, 300, three and a quarter, something like that. What John's saying is if we get that extra 300 of Chapter 90, that wipes out that need for us from a capital perspective, we can do drainage one year, sidewalks the next. And we don't have to break it up into small chunks. We could do a big one, you know, and it provides us a lot more flexibility as well as some um, consistency because the funds are reoccurring annually. So the frustrating thing is the state on a couple of occasions has authorized that three hundred million. We thought we always felt like we were on a tipping point. Charlie Baker came in, he authorized that, you know, another hundred million, but then went right back to the two hundred million. And then Sometimes when the state has a large budget surplus, they'll release, they call it pothole money, but 
know, what they released this year, do you remember what the figure was? $88,000, something like that. Yeah, uh, that we so got a little bit more pothole money, so a little bit more Chapter 90 money, but it's always a one-off. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't recur every year, and you can't count on it. We need that to recur every year so we can count on it, but for a variety of reasons, the legislature has been hesitant to do that. So, speaking of trucks, uh, our next um, capital item is uh, a replacement of one of our, our large dump trucks. Uh, we have um, 10 of these in our fleet. We replace one every other year. Um, that gets us a 20-year replacement cycle. The, um, you'll see the, the costs vary greatly. Um, FY24, we have 355,000 proposed. 26, we have 450, and 28, we have 300. Uh, the trucks aren't all, all exactly the same. Um, the one we have proposed for FY24 is a four-wheel drive Mack truck. Um, they utilize on some of the hills we have in town, the, you know, the farm area. They, um, it's actually a, a, a custom-made Mack truck. Um, it's actually the second one Mack has made. We bought one of these uh, six years ago. Um, it's specially made for, for Northboro. So, um, it's, uh, but it's, it, it's critical need. The trucks we're trading in are old. Um, they look great from the outside. They're what I refer to as 2020 vehicles. 20 feet away, 20 miles an hour, they look great. And when you get to it and underneath it, it's not the case. They live in a very um, corrosive environment, literally. Um, the FY26 truck, uh, 450, you can see that's um, quite a bit higher. Uh, that is going to include a catch basin attachment. Those are the, uh, referred to as clamshells, the big arm and a cable, swings out, goes into the catch basin, pulls all the muck out, dumps it in the truck. Um, the one we have currently is from 1999. It still runs, it's, it's an international, um, but it's old, it's tired, um, and it should have been replaced, and that's why that cost is where it is. The 300000 is more of a standard two-wheel drive, belly scraper, um, rear discharge with a, with a plow. Next project um, is something John touched on earlier in his ARPA discussion. It's the Highway Garage tight tank. We, um, so, 190 Main Street, the highway garage is served by a septic system. Um, there are floor drains in the building. Uh, in the mechanics bay, the floor drains go to a dedicated tight tank. You can't have solvents and oils go into a septic system. Um, that tight tank is pumped out every year. Um, there's an operating cost associated with it. It is what it is. Um, the wash bay, the, the area where we wash the trucks, that goes to the septic system. Our trucks are covered in salt, covered in road grit. After every storm, including winter storms, we wash every single truck. Every truck gets washed. That's how we get 20 years out of these things. Uh, that wash water goes into the drain and on the floor. It goes out to the septic system. Septic bugs don't like salt water. Um, it's not allowed. We're not supposed to be doing this. It's, it was allowed when the building was constructed in the 80s. It's no longer allowed. You cannot build a new building right now and have this be the case. Um, Couple that fact that the septic system is under pavement, the soils there never have a chance to sort of flush out in the spring and, and summer and fall, the, the salinity remains. Um, DEP hasn't um, formally issued an NON, a Notice of Noncompliance, nor an ACO, an Administrative Consent Order. They could tomorrow, um, in which case this wouldn't be a question, we would just do it. Um, it's a compliance issue, it's critical. Um, it doesn't show us doesn't show us as a good steward to the environment by not complying with DEP's regulations. Uh, the price has gone up; it goes up every year. Um, it certainly isn't going to stop going up. So we're right now at a four hundred seventy-five thousand dollars price. 
again, if this uh, if this project isn't funded with ARPA, we'll be issuing debt to get this done. Continuing down the, the truck discussion, um, this is a replacement of one of our um, mid-sized trucks, um, F550, F600. Uh, these are the kind of the workhorse of our fleet. Um, they're the ones you see driving around all the time with the stainless steel dump body. Um, there's a varying there's varying pricing on them depending on what they're outfitted with. Um, these vehicles generally get 10 or 12 years out of their out of their life cycle. Um, they're used every day. Uh, the one we're proposing for FY24 is a 2012 replacement. The um, the price you see includes some repurposing of other vehicles. We don't necessarily trade in one and buy the exact same one. Um, there aren't many jack-of-all-trade trucks out there, um, so you want to utilize what you have on other pieces of equipment. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't put a, a hotbox on a brand new truck. The hotbox is a very dirty life for a truck to live. You put that on the, la on the last few years of a truck's life. Um, so that's part of the part of the cost is is moving different bodies off of different trucks. The um, again, this is what we try to do in every other year cycle. You'll see here that we have a um, a gap. This was sort of a makeup year from uh, from COVID. Um, we were backed up. We pushed off a lot of uh, vehicle acquisitions. Um, speaking of COVID, the next one you see is in a closed uh, trailer. Just so for the viewers at home following along, so for fiscal 2024 capital budget, these are projects that are going to town meeting. It's the roadway, 300,000 for the roadway uh, maintenance, the 20 ton dump truck for 355,000, the highway garage tight tank, if not paid for by ARPA, and that last truck, uh, the one ton dump truck for 150,000. The balance of what uh, the DBW director is gonna talk about now are out year projects, 2025 to 2029. Yeah, thank you, John. Um, so before I start on the FY25 year, when you look at the, the, the summary sheet that has the, the highlights on it, you'll look and see FY25, there's a lot. There's a lot there. Um, my process is that when something gets pushed off, it gets pushed off to the next year. Uh, continually reshuffling the, jack, the deck um, doesn't accurately present the backlog of capital items. Um, that bubble is built up over several years, um, primarily COVID, and now, you know, this year we've had a relatively light free cash year. That seems to be maybe the new norm. Um, so these things are going to keep on pushing forward, and the bubble is going to grow. We have an existing enclosed trailer. It sees a, it saw a lot of action during COVID. Um, it actually lived at Ellsworth for close to a year. Um, where there was a, uh, a testing site, a roll-through testing site in conjunction with the school. Um, it serves the town meetings when we were doing town meetings outdoors. It provides a board of health, a, a sort of a rolling triage center. It's got cabinet. It's not a regular enclosed trailer. You, you, you know, you see a carpenter pull up in or you put your snowmobiles in. Um, this has uh, cabinets, benches, refrigerator, inverters. Um, it, this is a rolling, the DPW and board of health version of a command center. If, you, if I was to fight Chief Parenti here, he would laugh at me because it's not a command center. But from public works and public health perspective, that's what it does. Um, Just if I may chime in here, for months uh, we had a, 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 during COVID, they had a pre-school testing program uh, where you, it was a station down at Ellsworth McAfee Park. 
and at 6 a.m. the parents were queued up to get their get kids tested. We had staff in in the winter working out of this uh, out of this vehicle. This, frankly, would be another good um, a, another good project potentially funded by um, by ARPA. <coughs> uh, this one came and dropped in early on the uh, on the priority list because of basically its use as a vaccination a mobile vaccination you know command center. The chief would yell at us for saying that. <laughs> If, but, uh, but that's basically how it's used. Let's say we don't have COVID again. No. Twice in 100 years. Do we still need this vehicle? Flu clinics. Yes. Yes. You know how we do our flu clinics now? No. You drive, <laughs> if, if you, if you are, are, we have drive-through flu clinics. You go down to the high school, you pull all the way through, they weave you through, you stick your arm out the window. It's all based out of, out of this command center. So this isn't in response to COVID, where we're, this this does have it had use before, it will have use after. Yes, and we we realized um, some of the shortcomings of the trailer through COVID. Um, you know, we ended up purchasing four generators to manage the the, the lack of heat and, and lighting around the trailer. Trailer is a great thing; it rolls up, it has light lighting in it, it has heat in it. it. Doesn't have anything outside, and the trailer doesn't fit a lot of bodies. Um, you know, it's a good go between between just a simple you know snowmobile trailer. And an ambulance, you know, it can it can have a cot in it. It can have it can have air conditioning. It can be a comforting uh, location for heat or, or coolness without having to have an ambulance on standby. Um, so it, it serves a lot of benefits um, beyond just COVID. And um, the I'm pretty confident there's not going to be any more infectious diseases that require vaccinations. That's the exact opposite view of the rest of the world. I just want to make sure it wasn't a reaction to. I was just going to ask, I mean, kind of the same thing. Like when you have Appetfest, when you have a lot of town events, would you see using something like this as well? Yes. You'll see this at um, at the fireworks. You'll see this um, you know, during the day at Applefest. You know, that, that it'll be down at Ellsworth when they do their, their annual um, into the school events, um, it it moves a lot of uh, nice things easily. You know, when we're moving um, cots and uh, tents and things that are, are for creature comforts, you know, throwing them in the back of that stainless steel dump truck is probably not the best way to use move those things. Um, it's our only enclosed trailer, so it, it does it does help quite a bit. Um, if you have to us. if you have to open a shelter. Again, it would be used for that, for emergency sheltering, uh, transporting of cots and supplies and things of that nature. Scott, when you replace this, is there a possibility of repurposing the existing one, or is it going to be shot by them? I wish we could. Um, the floor is gone. The, the underframe is, is gone. Um, the shell is great because it's fiberglass. Other than that, it's not, it's not, it serves really no use. Thank you. And just one way, did you say it was a, is it a state requirement or more of a need as as far as things we just need to do in town, it's a it's a local requirement. It's a local need, I should say. Yeah. We have a um, a state required um, shared trailer between multiple communities um, for the health department. It's the little one that you see over by the, the helping hands shed. Um, it basically just it's just storage. It's a massive storage shelter. You can't use it for what this is used for. Next, you'll see a town building assessment um, under FY25 for $60,000. Um, thankfully, we have a facility manager on staff now. He's been here for a little over a year. Um, 
getting to know, getting acclimated with all of our buildings and their and their um, uh, systems. What we don't have is a detailed inventory of everything we have. We don't have the um, uh, maintenance cycle for the specific equipment we have. We know a lot of it is very old. Um, you've heard us before talking about emergency replacements. The two boils here broke um, year after year. We did the, um, the uh, heat pumps over the senior center. There are air conditioner issues that arise. Um, we're very um, reactive when it comes to our building systems. There is almost no proactivity to this point um, just because we're running around fixing things that are breaking. Um, because we did not have the staff. This was some the position you remember I've been asking for for the better part of a decade. We finally got it funded and uh, we had an appropriations committee meeting last night. Actually, George Brankel's in the audience from the appropriations committee. But you heard the library director and the senior sector director singing the praises of the facilities manager because now they can focus on doing their jobs as a librarian and a director in programs and not worry about building issues and heat and maintenance and all that stuff. So, uh, but uh, the facilities manager is doing a great job of getting us organized, more proactive, more maintenance contracts, economies of scale, tracking things so that we're being replaced before they break. Uh, so we're we're on track. It's just been a it's been a slow process to get the staffing to be able to do that. So we've engaged numerous um, companies for uh, preventative maintenance programs. Um, you know, they go to the library, they replace the air filters. Um, you know, their initial assessment they found filters that nobody knew were there. Um, they hadn't been replaced since the, since the renovation was done. So you know, our, our facility manager has been in, uh, uh, very important for those departments as well as you know the chiefs. Um, you know, FD and PD, those buildings are somewhat old. Um, they have specific needs and unique needs. Um, and he's been able to address those with, so the chiefs can focus more on their staff. Um, the building assessment, it's very similar to like a pavement assessment or a sidewalk assessment. Uh, an independent company comes through, identifies all the systems, mechanical, electrical, roofing, windows, like everything. I provides a, a specific tag to each one of those with a description of it. Um, gives uh, inputs it into their software, proprietary software that tracks uh, the preventative maintenance requirements for it, the lifetime, the life expectancy of it, um, and allows you to develop a capital plan for replacement so you're proactive and not reactive. For example, the air conditioning units in this building are all original uh, from the same era, the same, you know, the 70s. They, they're, they're twice their life expectancy. And they're all, they're all done at the same exact time. So when one goes, they're going to start popping left and right. Um, so there's an opportunity to, to have a, a, a proactive capital plan for the buildings um, for a first time, which would be fantastic. This, act, this does fund the initial assessment um, as well as the, the software licensure for us to have the software. Next is, um, you'll see the, the one-ton pickup truck. Um, again, it's part of our, part of our uh, vehicle replacement schedule. Um, there's a FY25 for $190,000, an FY27, $280,000, an FY29, $160K. Um, you can see the pricing varies greatly, again, based on the type of truck we're getting. Um, the FY27, you'll see it's, it's $100,000 
over what anything else is. That one is to replace the hot box as well. You'll remember a few years ago, uh, we went to town meeting and got approval for a, a new truck with a hot box. Um, this is just as I described earlier, we would end up getting a truck, nice stainless steel bed, repurpose vehicles down the fleet, and put a new hot box on an older vehicle. Um, hot boxes are expensive. They can be up to $40,000 or more, and then the cost to outfit the other vehicles adds up. So that's why you see these varying prices. Um, th it can be shifted forward and backwards depending on how the hot box is operating. They kind of just go. All of a sudden, you replace the burner, you replace the floor, you replace the auger. You, all of a sudden, you know everything on the bottom of it just has to fall apart. Um, if we can get more time out of it, it'll be in 29. If we can't, it'll be pushed forward. But right now, that's where our, our hope is. We spoke about this a little bit earlier, um, relevant to the uh, Chapter 90 funds. There's, this is a culvert and drainage replacement. Uh, the picture you see is what Lincoln Street culvert looked like before we replaced it. Um, these are, it's an every other year um, funding structure, FY25 for 300, 27 for 325, and 29 for 350. These are arbitrary numbers. They're not based on any specific projects. Um, the Lincoln Street culvert was a $350,000 construction cost. Um, that's a decent number for a culvert. We have some specific needs now that we know about for drainage. I discussed at uh, the last meeting I had with you about the Estimate Hill drainage, uh, the systematic failures up there. Um, there's $800,000 worth of work to go up, to do up there before we pave the roads. Roadway pavement will be a million dollars up there. Um, I would love to be able to say, yes, we'll do these three years of, of drainage work and the intermittent years we'll do the paving. So we do 300,000 of repair work up there, the next year we pave that road over that for 300 grand, and then again and again and again. And you know, I, I told the community that. Were they happy to hear that it's gonna take seven years to fix all their roads and drainage? No, but it's a, it's a fiscally responsible approach with limited resources. Um, that's assuming no culverts fail, fall apart again. I, just, I discussed before, we have a list of all of our culverts. We know, know what their conditions are in. There's a very large culvert on, on, uh, on uh, Brigham Hill. I mean, I'm sorry, on, um, um, on Brigham Street by the golf course. Right now, it's in poor condition, but it's still round, so we could slip line it. By, by, 2020, by 2030, I don't know, it may not be round anymore, in which case we've got to open cut it and replace it. So that takes a hundred fifty thousand dollar project and makes it three fifty. It's also why, just in the in the main schedule, why I have that highlighted as that you know again that's a would be a great use of one time revenues like ARPA. We've seen a number of communities take their ARPA a portion of their ARPA funding and put it towards this infrastructure needs. It's a it's a great investment because every time you fix a roadway or a drainage problem problem, you are removing expenses down the road and these projects get more expensive the longer that they go so whatever you can addressing these early with available funds is is a bad is a best practice so quick question did, did some of these um, for this replacement program get delayed during COVID and that's why these are starting to kind of pile up yes actually as, as I'll, Scott brought the uh, brought it to us brought it to me as you as you know like when those you've been out for a long time you know, we're assessing all of the roadways. You know, the first thing is get a handle on this, and then you know, then you develop a, a, a plan to address them, and then you have to match it up with financing. 
we've been doing that for our roadway since 2015, 2013. So we, we've been putting $1.1 million in for years, so that's great. Now we're doing the same thing with our sidewalks. Uh, and then the culverts, when uh, the, uh, the DPW director prior to Scott, we had a, a culvert you know, that was in rough shape. It was the Otis Street, it's a bridge. I thought I call it a bridge, but technically it's a culvert, it's a bridge. Anyway, it was ready to fail. We actually had to close it, and that's when we said we need to get an assessment of all of the culverts. So now we have that assessment. We're trying to get a funding plan in place to, to, to address those, um, but it takes some time. And when uh, Scott had brought forward, uh, just, just, pre just preceding the pandemic, he had this plan, and so this plan of every other year, 300,000, got pushed out probably three years. So we probably would have arguably done at least one, maybe two cycles, $600,000 of drainage work had the pandemic not kicked everything off. So it just, the plan was coming forward at a time that we couldn't fit it, so it, it slotted in later. It wasn't in and then got kicked. It, it, it couldn't fit in, and so it got that slot later. But the short answer is yes, drainage work was definitely impacted by the pandemic and the delay in capital investment in the town, no question about it. Uh, the next the next vehicle you see or the next uh, capital item you see is the bucket truck replacement for three hundred and eighty thousand dollars in FY 25 um, this is a 2010 bucket truck um, useful life of these vehicles it's it's a it's a large Ford it's an old Ford F uh, 750 uh, it's about 10 to 10 to 12 years um, it'll be well past that time by the time it gets replaced it's a solid year lead item um, we have our bucket inspected every year as required. All the welds are checked and the electrical um, um, insulation gets checked every year. At some point, it's not going to pass. And when it doesn't pass, nobody goes in it. Um, when nobody goes in it, we don't cut trees down. So we cut about 60 trees a year that we remove from the town, towns right away. We have a $50,000 budget, an operating budget, for a contractor to come in and help. Contract does the, the, the big trees for us, or the problem trees. Um, his costs are about $10,000 a day between his bucket truck, his log truck, his chipper, and his crews, maybe a little less some days, maybe a little more. Um, he'll get three or four trees a day. So that's about 2500 bucks a tree, $3,000 a tree. Uh, this thing goes down, we cannot afford to remove hazardous trees. Um, it's a critical piece of equipment. It's a standalone piece of equipment. It doesn't serve any other purpose, um, but you have to have it. Um, you know, we had a tree in the windstorm come down uh, in a, in a uh, resident's backyard. It was leaning against another tree. She called, you know, she reached out to us Monday. I went out there, took a look at it, assessed it that it is our tree. It's from our land. This bucket truck was able to get in the backyard um, yesterday and remove it. But not yesterday, um, Tuesday and remove it the next day. Um, it was, it was going to fall on the lady's house. The first time we funded this bucket truck, people were questioning whether or not we needed it. Right afterwards, we had an ice storm. Oh, boy, were we glad we needed yeah. it. Yeah. Because our folks can handle most of the trees that are causing trouble. Don't, you know, they're not massive trees. They're branches and things like that that need to be removed. Our crew were able to do a lot of that work immediately after, after a storm and uh, when you can't get contractors to come in and it's difficult you need to be able to respond to this stuff uh, locally yeah 
Scott, do, do you guys remove anything that's close to wires? Uh, we, we do. We're, we're not allowed to work within 10 feet of the wires. Um, you need to be um, certified by National Grid to work within 10 feet. Um, we have in the past uh, requested National Grid to, um, to sleeve the lines. You'll, you'll see those orange tubes they put over the lines to, to insulate them. Our bucket is insulated. If there was to be a, uh, an incident or an accident and a, a line hit the, hit the bucket, uh, the operator is safe. That gets tested every year. I just remember when I moved to Northboro over 20 years ago, uh, we had a lot of power outages because all the branches kept coming down on mm -hmm. the lines and stuff. And it just seems so much better. I don't know if this has something to do with that. We, we do a lot of work uh, clearing clearing deadwood um, associated with the lines. Yeah. Next is our FY25 cemetery niche. You'll see the photograph. If nobody knows what a niche is, um, they actually just put some of these over at my uh, where my father's buried in Framingham. Um, cemetery land is not limitless. There is uh, a finite amount of land for, for, for burials. Um, we project about 25 years-ish left at the uh, uh, Kaiser Cemetery. Um, cemetery niches are a great way to provide a more cost-effective and lower land use for cremation burials. Um, you can fit multiple cremations in each one. It could, the family could buy a row, a stack, what have you. Uh, the cremations fit in it. You'll see. Um, um, the Shrewsbury has these as well. Um, they're attractive, they're decorative, they're not very expensive, and they're easy to expand on. Um, something new for Northborough. I don't know if there's a, a huge market for it, but it's worthwhile to, to grade an area out, put a slab down, have one, you know, and see if people are, are, are interested. Um, it, there's really no, I don't really ask residents when they come forward to buy a grave if they're. Sorry to interrupt. You guys seen a kid in here wearing all black? No. No, that was a, that was another officer looking. Okay, gotcha. All right, sorry to interrupt. Thank you. Oh, maybe from from downstairs, or Jim. Scott, how many might this be planned for? Excuse me. How many would this be planned for? Um, it depends on the pricing, you know, and, and the design uh, desired. You know, I'd like to get a you know a two dozen, twenty four. You know, you, you get twenty four on one face, twenty four on the other face, so you get forty eight. Um, as, a, as a start, that would be nice. Um, I have, you know, I've talked to some, some, some people, and people are interested. I don't really mention it to customers when they walk in to purchase a lot because generally they're not in a place where they want to discuss things like this. Um, but this, the cemetery commission was interested in it. Um, I am, you know, so to, and other people have expressed interest, and it's been successful in Shrewsbury as well. You might speak to the funeral director, give him a heads up. Yeah. Yep. Uh, next is uh, the sidewalk plow uh, for two hundred and ninety thousand um, dollars. These are the little bombardiers you see blowing up and down the sidewalks with snow blowers and, and bee plows in the wintertime. Um, we have two of these in the fleet: a 2012 and a 2016. Um, they 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 live in a very uh, abusive environment. They're they're blasting down the road, going through down the sidewalk, going through. Um, the windrow that's left by the plows. Um, it's often not until the day after the snowstorm uh, ends that we get out the plow. The same uh, employees who plow and sand the roads are the ones that do this. Um, in order to, to plow all the sidewalks in town with both pieces of equipment, it takes about um, 
12 hours, 10 to 12 hours. In order to do it with a snowblower, it's closer to 26 hours, just with two of them. Uh, if one was to go down, it would be, you know, three days in order for us to do it, um, just because of the rest uh, periods required for the operators. Um, and that price is accurate, $290,000 for a small yellow tank. On the other side, you'll see um, in FY25 a hook lift truck for $140,000. This is actually the first, um, the only new vehicle we're proposing um, in the highway department. It's, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with what a hook lift is. It's um, one of the medium-sized trucks, so a small Mac or a very large Ford. Um, it has a, a, a hook, literally a hook on it, and you can put different bodies on the back of it. Um, very similar to what you see with the dumpster guys driving around and they drop off the roll-off dumpsters. Very similar to that. You could put a large hot box on it. You could have a catch basin cleaner. You could have a vac truck on it. Um, rock bodies, all sorts of different attachments. Um, it's 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 kind of like a backhoe where it does a lot of stuff. It doesn't do anything great, but it does a lot of stuff really good. And if you can't afford to buy eight different trucks to do eight different things, you get one of these. You have one chassis to do eight different things. Um, all you got to do is figure out where to hang the bodies. Next is our uh, all-purpose tractor, an FY25 for $100,000. It's essentially what you see there, um, a medium-sized uh, uh, deer tractor. We sh share it with the schools. The schools use it quite a bit. Um, it's, we have a lot of off-road maintenance we have to do. The water sewer department has one as well. Um, theirs um, manages the, uh, the sewer, the off-road sewer and water easements. Um, we have detention ponds that we have to maintain. You see behind Town Hall, by the way, pump station we have one. Um, that's primarily what the, what the responsibility of this is. Um, the schools use it for moving materials and, and equipment around their, um, around their uh, facilities. We have a 2014. They get about 10 or 12 years out of them. Um, they uh, they're not built as durably as a you know one of the larger John Deere's. John Deere has either green or yellow. The yellow lasts, lasts a lot longer than the green. Um, but this would be a replacement a piece of equipment. Now we start our FY26 with the dog park. Uh, You've probably seen and heard about it a bit. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I on the wrong one? Oh, okay. Double-sided paper. Sorry. <laughs> Saving trees. Thank you. So 2026, we have a, a proposed sweeper replacement for $280,000. Bless you. Um, we have uh, two sweepers. Um, this would replace the older of the two, the 2011. Um, these are they're Robust pieces of equipment. Unfortunately, the, the, the metal on them is it's like it's a very thin sheet metal, um, and they, they don't live in a very happy environment. They run up and down the gutters picking up salt and uh, or picking up sand and, and uh, roadway debris. Um, since the um, uh, MS4 uh, uh, pollution prevention that we're required to comply with, um, we have to sweep all of our streets twice a year. Um, for some reason, the Federal government thinks that we can sweep oak leaves up before it snows. I don't know. I don't think they understand the, the life cycle of trees and snow in New England. Um, but we do our best to get up and out of the gutters as quickly as we can. Um, it takes uh, two sweepers, close to two months, to do all of town. Um, if we were to have one go down, 
we would be sweeping from snowmelt to snowfall. Um, we just don't have the time to do that. We just can't do that. It doesn't make any sense to do it either. Um, so this is a regular life cycle replacement after a 12-year lifespan. Um, so this would actually be 15 years by the time we replaced it. Is it a dog park next? Mm -hmm. So you've heard about the dog park, I'm sure. This is an FY26 project. Um, CP, CPA funds were utilized uh, last year's town meeting for, preliminary, for siting and preliminary design. The site has been selected at Boundary Street. The design is well underway. We're probably at the 50% level. Um, the current scope of services, uh, as previously funded, gets through permit drawings, but not permit submission. Um, our town uh, planner just got word today that we received a $25,000 grant from the Stanton Foundation uh, to support completion of the design services. So that'll get us through permitting, final design, and construction documents, um, which is great news. Uh, the Stanton Foundation awards and wants to build, assist in building 10 dog parks a year. Generally, when they fund the design, they see it as a very viable project and, and way have, uh, uh, friendly on, on funding construction. So our goal is to seek grant funding when the design is complete from the Stanton Foundation. They cap it at $225,000 for construction grants. Um, and our goal and objective would be to seek uh, CPA funds for the remaining the remainder of the cost. If I can just chime in for anybody who's maybe watching at home doesn't understand when we talk about we have all these needs for drainage and all these other capital needs, but yet we're going to spend $500,000 on a dog park. It comes down to where you get money from. So this will be grant funded, hopefully to the tune of uh, at least $200,000 from the Stanton Foundation. The balance will be through the Community Preservation Act, which has money raised. It's in, there. It's in your base tax bill every year, so it won't be an additional tax. But out of that money, uh, one of the buckets that has to be spent on is recreational facilities. So, um, so it won't raise taxes anymore. Uh, because of the mechanisms that will be funded, but I can't use this money. The Stanton Foundation isn't going to give me money to fix drainage. They give money for dog parks. So I just want to be clear if people are like, well, how can you have all these needs but you're spending a half a million dollars on a dog park? Because we can get funding through the CPC and through a grant to do a dog park, but nobody wants to give us grants for drainage and roadway. Scott, this yep. is town property? It is town property, yep. The town purchased it back in the 60s to put a sewer treatment plant on, and the Department of Public Health at the time said, no, tie into Marlboro, no reason to have two plants right across the street from each other, discharging to the same river, and that's where we are now, a forced marriage. So, uh, who, who would maintain that? Uh, public Works. Yep. My, my guys. Yep. The um, next is the Memorial Field Pedestrian and Parking Improvements. For 2026, uh, we don't have a, a cost for that. Um, as it gets closer, I can get some some conceptual costs together. The issues um, here are one: the parking lot is uh, was inadequately built. It's not wide enough to fit um, double angled parking in the middle, but it's too wide to just park around the perimeter. So it's it's odd. Um, it needs to be redesigned. The parking lot's in poor condition. needs to be reconstructed. Um, there is wheelchair access from the parking lot down to the um, observation pavilion that's at the snack shack. That was 
built for ADA compliance. Um, what there is not is ADA compliant access to the lower memorial field. So we need to be able to get a wheelchair from the, the uh, observation deck down to lower memorial and we need to make that parking lot so it's not mayhem when it comes to parking because it, it, it's just not right. You'd go from the observation deck instead of the parking lot down to lower? You would go from the parking lot down, down to lower. Okay, so not, yeah. Yeah, I, no, I no, but you go, you go kind of right around it. Right. Yeah. yeah the, 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 the likelihood of, uh, the, the likely path would be probably around the outfield to get there. Uh, to get kind of, there's, yeah. Yeah. We kind of cleared that out a bunch of years ago to make a walking path because people were getting picked by all yeah. balls over there. But. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it's for. Yeah. Right. Well, now we're back on sidewalks. Uh, next project you'll see is a, is a, uh, a reoccurring um, request, FY26 and FY28, for sidewalk um, improvements, $200,000 and $250,000 respectively. Um, those are arbitrary numbers, um, but it, is, it presents that cycle I was, I was talking about earlier, where it's drainage, sidewalk, drainage, sidewalk, drainage, sidewalk. Um, Complete streets does not fund design. We have to pay for that design out of our pockets. Um, they do fund construction, and it's up to $500,000 for two years of over a four-year period. The thought is that, you know, in 26, we take some of that $200,000, we do design work. The remainder of that money can go toward bolstering the construction funding for, um, bolster the construction funding for, uh, uh, I, no, no, I, I just found a typo I just her work, and then she reached over and showed me the typo okay. all on the same project on my, on my sheet. Oh, so okay. On so we're even, yeah. It was them. It was them. I passed them on. <laughs> if Scott would do his work a little better, we wouldn't have to clean up. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so the goal and objective would be to have adequate funds to complement the Complete Streets project. So, for example, if we were going to close a gap in sidewalks with the complete streets money, the two hundred fifty, the two hundred thousand dollars could do the design work, and then the leftover could make some portal improvements that would not be complete streets eligible um, to improve the, the overall sidewalk connectivity. When you do complete streets, do you lose driving lanes? No. Um, what you end up often doing is having a shared lane. Um, People are, are supposed to ride their bicycles in the road. If the bicycle is a vehicle, that's where it belongs, riding in, in the direction of traffic. Um, if you don't have adequate right-of-way or pavement space to have a dedicated bike lane, which has a specific width that's required, you can have what's referred to as a sh shared lane with sharrows. Um, it's just big arrows painted on the road but it, with bicycles, but it reminds drivers, this is a bike road. Somebody may be biking here. Um, so for example, one of our Complete Streets projects was um, a bike lane on Bartlett. There's a bike lane in, on Forest at, uh, in Marlboro at the end of Bartlett, it's changed over to Forest. There's a bike lane in Marlboro. There is not one on Bartlett Street in Northborough. It would be logical to have one in that wide section um, from Cedar Hill down to uh, Lyman. But then when it necks down a little bit, that's where you could transition over to Sharrows um, and have the cyclist be you know, you're on an official cycle path at that point, and it would be easier than doing some massive box widening and retaining wall construction. Long answer to a pretty short question. I'm sorry. Appreciate it. Right, now we go back to some more equipment replacement with our mini excavator. Now we purchased the mini excavator in 2015. <coughs> it does a lot of work at the cemeteries. Um, 
Excavating um, holes at a cemetery is not an easy process. It's very tight, corn, uh, 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 tight work area. You have a lot of uh, headstones to, to, to manage as well as trees and other things. Um, it's not easy to get a backhoe in there. So this is a, a critical piece of equipment primarily for the cemetery operations. It also helps a lot with drain clearing. When we're on the side of the road and we have to clear out a culvert inlet because there's a lot of sediment there, when you put a backhoe out there, you close half the road because it's so long. Um, mini excavator can get off the edge of the road and clear out that drain without impacting traffic. Um, this is a replacement piece of equipment. Um, it's part of the part of the, the, the cycling through. Same thing with our stump grinder. This has been on the capital plan for a long time, and it keeps on getting pushed out because our 1996 Vermeer is bulletproof. It, it's, it just won't die, which is great. Um, but eventually, it's going to go and it'll have to be replaced. It, the Vermeer we have is not what you see there. That is, um, it's a little bit of a safer operation where there's not an operator standing right next to the, uh, right next to the machine. It's a little more up to date as far as that goes, but it, it, ours is working fantastic right now. Next you'll see is the a brush disposal area. Um, we have $100,000 proposed in 2027 with uh, for design and permitting services, and then in 2029, some cost to be determined on how to implement it. So as you know, we accept the brush and leaves at the highway garage. Um, the cost in FY23 to, to dispose of leaves and brush was $126,000. Uh, year before that, it was about 118. It's always been in that range, you know, 80 to 100 and a quarter. Um, every year to empty that uh, yard out. Uh, one, the yard doesn't have enough space to leave it there any longer, and if it was to have a birthday there, it would be considered um, a processing facility or a dump, which means you need DEP permitting. So not only do we not have the space there, we're not allowed by law to have it allow to have it have a birthday. It's been more of a year, more of the year there. So the property that we just talked about at the um, uh, the dog park, large tract of land. Um, the town already owns it. It's off the beaten path. Um, the only neighbor is the Assabet River, a sewer treatment plant, and more town land. Um, the location would be far back off of Boundary Street, likely, which is far away from the, um, there's a couple duplexes in that area. So the $100,000 is for permitting and feasibility and design. There's a lot of different ways for these things to operate. Some towns just have a big dump. They go in there once a year with their loader and they move things around. Others have a company come in and actually manage windrows. And others even just have a company run the whole thing between the gate, the operations, the, the permitting, the testing, everything. Um, the latter is more contractually onerous, but it's probably the most financially responsible one because the guy who, or the, the company who's running it has a valuable product after a handful of years and his operating costs are actually paid off for by the product he's, he's generating. Next is a roadside mower. You see this tractor driving around town with its articulating mower head clearing roadside vegetation. Um, this is a, a simple equipment replacement. Um, I wish we had two. There's so much roadside vegetation now like there's never been before between invasive species, the bamboo that grows everywhere, especially on, uh, was it on Hudson and uh, Hudson and Allen, that corner. Um, poison ivy's everywhere. Um, it's bittersweet's growing like gangbusters. Um, but 
you know, we have one, we, we have what we have, we use it all the time, so it needs to be replaced periodically. As does the loader, we have two front end loaders. Um, we uh, were authorized to purchase one two years ago out of the capital plan. Um, this is just a cyclical replacement. Um, as soon as we trade in the, as soon as we trade in the old one and purchase a new one, the second one is um, re refurbished. We'll send it back to to, um, to Milton to have them go through it. They paint it. They paint it. They do the body work. They change out a bunch of fittings. Um, it, it basically gets rehabilitated, so we can get uh, longer life out of it. These are um, they don't one of them. The old one lives a very unpleasant life in the salt shed during the winter time. Um, the newer one has the pusher box on it, so when there's a big storm, you can see the giant box go out and clear everything out. Um, and then they both roll out when it's time, it's time to clear intersections. When you have a large storm event, you can't leave windrows that are 10 feet tall at intersections. Kind of hard to see around them. So we get out with the loaders and the, and the dump trucks and pick up as much as we can, as quick as we can. All right, the jack of all trades, the backhoe. Um, again, it's a cyclical replacement. We have um, one at the highway, one at the water garage. Um, it's a jack of all trades. When the excavator's down, this does the work. When the loaders are busy, this does the work. Everybody knows what a backhoe is. It's part of, part of the replacements. This yeah, just for viewers, we're talking about now equipment being replaced in 2028. Oh, I'm sorry, oh. yes. We're way out there. Well, just want to make sure for the record that people know we're not talking about all this equipment. You know, right. Thank you, John. <laughs> So this is the, the first new project that's um, in its proposed uh, FY29, Ellsworth McAfee uh, Park building. Um, that park has seen uh, substantial growth um, over many years. The, the youth, youth sports uses it. Um, you know the pickleballs are there. We have a lot of amenities there, um, except bathrooms. We still have porta potties used there. Um, I finally trained him not to call them Porter Johns because I started calling them Porter Scotties. <laughs> I'm still learning. <laughs> um, it's 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 the right thing to do. That that facility is is a shining star in, in the area as far as complexes, and we should have sanitary facilities there. The snack shack is, is showing its age as well, so it, it's worth replacing and getting some bathrooms there. There is sewer and water in the street. Not like it can't be done. It's not complicated. Um, it's just you know. It's probably the right time to do it. Any chance of getting that done at Memorial Field? <coughs> like bathrooms or water or, or you know, using that building? Okay. <laughs> I, I tried. I was shut down. Uh, there's there's not sewer readily sewer water yeah. readily available as there is at Ellsworth McAfee. Yes. That's, that's the difference. Yeah, I thought you just did my baseball. <laughs> <laughs> you know me. I, no, I don't. We, we fixed up. We used acid that fixed up the whole snack shack. Everything could. We could not tie it into to water and sewer at all. Yeah, right. so the sewer. the sewer system, the summit manhole is um, right at the intersection where uh, uh, Beezer's was, the East Main Street and Main Street. Sammy's. Sammy's. That's Sammy's now. Very hot. And, uh, you know, we would like to get sewer for, this, for the highway garage and the police station. Um, if that was the case, we could get sewer up the hill all the way up to Brittany's so we could pick up the school um, and that whole uh, commercial area. There'd be a pump station in the valley over by where the, where the um, um, where the aqueduct is, if that happened and there was sewer there, Memorial, Casey, they'd be eligible for sewer. So would that section of East Main Street. It would open up a lot of 
um, available land for, for, for development as well because those parcels up there are limited because they have to have on-site septic systems. So I would love to do that. So these would be bathrooms with work, working bathrooms and the concession stand would have water yep. and so on. Yep. Wow. So I can sell more than M&Ms? Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> now we get on to the enterprise funds. Um, first one you see is uh, the SCADA system. This was funded previously. <coughs> for FY24, um, the SCADA, uh, quickly, the uh, a SCADA system is a supervisory control and data acquisition system. It allows the water and sewer divisions to monitor their facilities remotely as well as operate them remotely. Um, it's um, heavily promoted by the federal government and the Homeland Security as it is a closed system. It's not, it does not utilize um, the internet. Everything is through the through cellular service dedicated nodes on a dedicated frequency. Um, it provides security and operational um, redundancy. We have, we've currently funded half of the project. We have um, two base stations, one at the highway garage, one at Hudson Street pump station. So we have redundancy and we've incorporated some of the more substantial facilities with the first phase, which is um, the asthma tank, the interconnection with the MWRA, the valve at the MWRA, and uh, the Hudson Street pump station. The second phase is some of the uh, smaller facilities, Church Street, pump station, West Main Street, those pump stations. Um, we sought an earmark from the federal government for $491,000 um, through um, uh, McGovern's office, and we were awarded on the omnibus, um, omnibus uh, budget that uh, President Biden signed. We got $491,000 of earmark for the second phase. Requires a 20% match. That's where the $125,000 comes from. Like John indicated earlier, projects come and go. They flip and flop. This one came right out of the sky because we got a half a million dollars of free money. Um, getting $125,000 out of uh, fund balance um, is certainly a good expenditure. Next on the sewer is the inflow and infiltration program for FY25 and 28 at 380000 and $425,000 respectively. We've talked about INI before. I know every, every drop of clean water we can prevent from getting into our system um, is another drop of dirty water we can push out um, through development. So we're in the midst, we're about half, almost halfway through our 15-year INI uh, program identifying where inflow, which is um, surface water that dumps in through manholes. You know, when you're driving down the road, the sewer manhole covers a little low, it's a puddle where that puddle doesn't evaporate, it goes into the system. No reason to be treating clean stormwater. Um, inflow is also illicit connection. Some people may have a sump pump dumping into their shop sink in the basement, the slop sink. They don't know it's wrong, it's wrong. Um, it should be discharged outside. Infiltration is groundwater getting into the pipes and manholes through joints or cracks and things like that. Um, we have a cycle every three years. We want to fund physical elimination of those things. We're actually in the process of doing it right now with the last authorization. Um, and these two will, will capture the, the three years in between. So we do three years of investigation, we do one year to fix it. Three years of investigation, one year to fix it. Eventually, the cost to fix it is going to be almost not worth it anymore because we've fixed all the easy ones and then you're going to get the little drippers that you really don't want to spend a lot of money on but that's this is probably going to get us through all the all the all the value added uh, projects 
Next up is um, a one-ton pickup truck in FY26. This is listed as a sewer enterprise fund project, but it would be a 40-60 split between sewer and water, between water and sewer. Um, this is the, the supervisor's truck. Um, it's a standard F F350. It's the one he has now. Um, it's a 2016. The um, by the time in 2026 we would get it, this truck would be 11 to 12 years old. Um, so it's a, a cyclical replacement. On the back is the 15-ton dump truck. That is a 2024 um, uh, acquisition. It's $225,000. This is another new vehicle. I indicated as one new vehicle at the highway side for the hook lift in the L years. This is a dump truck for the water, uh, the water and sewer division. Um, this has been a piece of equipment that, that we've wanted for a number of years. Could not get it because we didn't have a garage. We now have a garage, so we can have equipment. Um, the water division does not have a vehicle that can move its excavator and trailer. So in order for the water department or the sewer department to move their excavator to an emergency repair, they need to go use the highway department's truck. Um, the highway department has one truck that'll do it, their dump truck, um, during the winter. The other trucks have sanders in them, so you can't pull when you got a rear discharge sand or salter in it, spreader. So in the wintertime, you're either plowing or you're fixing a water main break. It's not, it's, it's not the right operational process. And if the dump truck, one dump truck goes down in the winter and there's a water break, I don't know, you gotta get a backhoe out there because the, the excavator doesn't have a plate on it, it's not a road vehicle. So the, the, the water department needs this, sewer department needs this. They've needed it for a long time. They finally have a place to park it. And this would be coming out of uh, fund balance, no impacts to the rates, no bonding. Next is our reservoir dam compliance. Uh, that's without an N. Um, we own a dam in the town of towns of Shrewsbury and Boylston. We were uh, awarded a grant, $150,000 grant from the state to do design and permitting. Um, at the end of the design and permitting, we got to remove it and breach it. Um, this would uh, fund the, a portion of the, well, this would fund the removal and the construction phase of it. Uh, we will seek grant funding. The same program that funded 80% of the design, they also fund construction. It's a dam and seawall program uh, run by the Commonwealth. Uh, we'll seek grant funding there. Um, this may get pushed out. Depends on how long the permitting process takes. Uh, environmental permitting through the Commonwealth is not an easy process, nor is it a uh, quick process, nor is it a cheap process, um, but it's mandatory, so we're fighting our way through it. The other side, you'll see the other rolling stock we have for the uh, water and sewer division, um, the utility body trucks. We have one proposed in FY25 and one in FY28, $120,000 and $130,000 respectively. Um, these are the ones you see driving around all the time. Um, toolboxes on both sides. Um, this is our this is our our response vehicle in the, in the water and sewer divisions. All right, you've seen this one before, water main and service line replacement. Um, it's been shifted back just due to funding um, funding needs. Uh, this is proposed in FY 26 and 27, fifty thousand dollars of design in 26, and four hundred of construction in 27. Four hundred is a relatively arbitrary number. Um, without design, you don't know what your construction is going to be. There are needs in the community for, for water main uh, extensions. 
uh, both from water quality as well as fire suppression. We have a water main that it runs up Crawford Street. Um, it's six inch diameter and it just dead ends at a hydrant. Um, there's a, and it, two water mains on Crawford Street that do that and they're about 2,500 feet apart. They're not connected. Dead ends aren't good for water systems. You get poor water quality, you get poor fire flow, and there's no redundancy in flow. So if there was be, would be a break on that, you can't backfeed it in the other direction. Um, that's just one example. We have a couple other dead ends at the, some of the railroad crossings. Um, two pipes dead end at the railroad crossing because nobody wanted to jack underneath the railroad. That doesn't make any sense. Dig the holes, jack the pipe underneath, make your connections, have some redundancy. Um, so if something goes down, you can feed it from the other direction. That's the intent of these water main projects. Scott, just like the roadways, do you have a database of all the water mains in town in terms of age? Yep. yep. Do you know yep. where the old ones are? Yep, we have all that information. Um, you know, Northborough is lucky. A lot of older mill communities have online cast iron. Um, Northborough is not one of those communities. And um, so our, our water mains are either uh, PVC, not a lot of them. Um, those last a long time. If they're not in the sun, they don't get brittle. Um, we have a transite pipe, which is a asbestos concrete pipe. Um, the asbestos was used as reinforcement. Um, those are generally from the 50s and 60s. They're in good shape. In some towns, when you have a very, uh, very uh, corrosive groundwater, meaning it's, it's very acidic, um, those pipes will get punky. You know, they'll be like clayish. I mean, you know, they'll be easy to, easier to deteriorate. That's not the case in this town. Then everything else we have is a, a cement line duct island, ductile iron, which is the go-to. So no wooden pipes. No wooden pipes. Nope. <laughs> maybe maybe some of the engineers in town have one on their on their shelf. <laughs> and was there another one? I think that's it. Yep. That's it. All right. Look at that. Fantastic. Okay. So you have literally been run through every capital project, equipment or capital project that you're contemplating for. As we do every year. <clears throat> Any other questions, guys? All right. Thank you very much. Right. No, thanks, thanks, Scott. Appreciate it. Thanks, Scott. Scott. So, uh, in terms of your uh, next meeting, that's February 16th, uh, you've heard from every department on every project so far. Um, is there anything else that the committee would like to uh, get information on or receive uh, a presentation on? Even some of the ones that are like, you know, the, the dog park, the complete streets, we've given you that. The only other one that may be, and I don't know if it's ready for prime time yet, would be the downtown master plan vitalization, but it's not really, it's not, it's not complete yet. So, um, and I hope that you're, you're receiving the notices of the community input session, so you, any of you want to attend or participate in any of those, that uh, I hope that you do. But is there anything else that we can provide for information or anything else you'd like to hear about? Certainly a recap of the Board of Selectmen meeting for next week and the decision on the White Cliffs and the ARPA money. Yes. Yeah. So um, in terms of, so uh, Monday the Board will make uh, hopefully a decision on the ARPA funding. Uh, when we meet on the 16th, then we'll know what the status is. But essentially the capital budget, the projects moving forward are, we've, are defined, uh, what's going to town uh, meeting. Unless, you know, just the ARPA funding will determine whether it go to town meeting or they just get funded outright, but the projects are, are solid. The six-year capital plan has been updated. You have a copy of that tonight. We've run through all the projects. So I think that's a square. 
which would mean at your meeting on the 16th, we hope to have start having some discussions regarding uh, recommendations and uh, and uh, a draft maybe of, of the uh, report uh, that you would provide to town meeting. Part of your charge under the charter is to provide recommendations on these projects to town meeting. What about, what about CPC projects? CPC, uh, actually we have them uh, tentatively scheduled for the 16th okay. yep, to come in. They've, they've, they're just now wrapping up some of their, uh, some of their projects uh, in terms of their recommendations. But we have them on your agenda for your next meeting as well. Right. And again, without rushing, if, that, you know, if there's more information that you want, we'll take it. But CPC projects are, some of them you hear multiple years, but a lot of them, you, they come up once, they get funded. That, that's just the process. It's not a six-year plan. Um, so uh, but we'll have them in for you. Uh, we'll try to get you the information ahead of time so you can look it over, too. Oh, uh, you mentioned White Cliffs. White Cliffs, it will be coming forward the the recommended the recommended um, proposal that came out of the request for proposal process is going to be presented to the board of selectmen at their meeting on February 27. So, if you're interested, I highly recommend that you tune into that meeting to see the present to see that presentation. I don't think that. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to speak too soon, but. I'm not sure that anything will be going to this town meeting, um, but I could be mistaken. Uh, so, but that discussion will take place uh, at that meeting. I suggest that you tune in there if you want to hear that. Anything else we want to talk about? Yeah. Entertain a motion to adjourn. Make a motion to adjourn, Mr. Chairman. Second. All in favor? Aye. Meeting is adjourned. Thank you. Seven.